Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited that you came across this message. The sermon you're about to listen to is from our baptism weekend. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Well, good morning, Hope Church family. As you take a seat, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 16 been reminding us, want us to have our eyes on the Word of God. So we've been saying we want it open there on your lap or in your app. We want the Word of God open before us. Acts chapter 16, we'll be there in just a moment. If you are new to Hope or a guest this weekend, you're joining us on one of my favorite weekends of the year. Uh, As you probably saw as you made your way into the worship center today, we have hot dogs and hamburgers, and we like to just grill out as a family as we celebrate life change in the courtyard. So I encourage you to stick around after our service, a little shortened service today, so we can enjoy celebrating life change together and enjoying some food and fellowship together as a family. Uh, Some of you know, I grew up here in the Las Vegas Valley, and I remember in the fall of 2004, I began classes at UNLV, my first college experience. I was only there for like a semester and a half, and then I dropped out to go to Bible college. But I started to go to UNLV, and I don't really remember much about my college classes that first semester, except a specific concept from my Business 101 class. Some of you maybe remember Business 101. I remember a specific concept that that has stuck with me all these years, and it's the concept in business known as brand identity. You may not know that concept by name, but you definitely know it by experience because every single day we come in contact with brand identity. In fact, every brand of everything you own spends millions and billions of dollars getting you to identify and love and share their brands. And there's jingles and slogans and all the things that we are probably thinking of even now, but there's some brands that have done such a great job with brand identity that they don't even have to use words for you to know what brand they are talking about. They simply have a logo that is so iconic that as soon as you see the picture, you know exactly what brand that is. So we'll start off with some classroom participation today. I'm gonna put a picture on the screen. I want you to shout out what brand this is. Here's the first one, Nike. That's pretty simple. If you're... Unless you've been living under a rock, like you know what that symbol is. You might not be a Nike fan, but as soon as you see that swoosh, I've been around the world of different countries and everywhere in the world knows the Nike swoosh. There's a movie out about Nike Air right now. I mean, this is an iconic symbol. Maybe you're not down with Nike. I can promise you every person in the room has been blessed by this next logo right there, ladies and gentlemen. Game changer. I I probably like you have received... multiple packages this weekend with that beautiful logo on it. It is a picture of our, uh, of our procrastination usually because it's like, I forgot to get it. Let's just prime it and it'll be here in hours. And every time it's like, how do they do that? It's amazing. As soon as you see that smile on a box, you know something is coming your way from Amazon, probably Prime. I saved the best for last. This is the most beautiful, the most iconic, the most majestic logo in all the land. Of course, I'm talking about this one here. Yes. This is special service because there's some friends of mine that I love that I have this on the screen right now. America's team, okay? This is the, of course, 
next year's Super Bowl champion Dallas Cowboys. Hate it or love it, everyone knows as soon as that goes on the screen what we're talking about, right? It is a picture that points to something significant. In this case, the best football team in all the land or Amazon or Nike, right? Like you're getting the point of brand identity. It is a picture that points to something much, much more significant. And some of you are catching the drift of where I am headed today because for 2,000 years, there has been a picture that is the unequivocal brand identity for followers of Jesus since the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. And it is, of course, baptism. Baptism. It is the picture that points to the greater reality of what it represents. And so today, we are going to examine, hopefully very clearly and very simply, baptism. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. You are here, and you're a follower of Jesus, and you've been baptized, and, and you have followed Jesus in obedience and been baptized. And I'm just praying that today is what we call an exclamation point for your faith. That as you hear about baptism, as we read in God's word in Acts chapter 16, you would just be encouraged in your faith and reminded of the gospel today. But for some of you, you just need to know, we hope and we pray that if you're a follower of Jesus that has never been baptized, that today, like in just a little bit in our courtyard, you would actually take that step of obedience and follow Jesus. And we can all celebrate with you as you follow what Jesus has called us to as his followers in baptism. So we're gonna jump into Acts chapter 16 in our short time together. And we always wanna give you a little bit of context. Where are we at in God's word? Acts chapter 16, encourage you if you've never read the book of Acts, it's an incredible story. Jesus Christ has died on the cross for the sin of the world. He rose again. We celebrated that last week in Easter. He defeated death, hell, and the grave. And then he tells his disciples they have a mission that we are still carrying out to this day to make disciples and so Acts is the story of these Christians who are now following Jesus, this, this new way of life, this way that is following Jesus. They are making disciples. And it's amazing as you read the book of Acts. People are getting saved everywhere, beginning a relationship with Jesus. The gospel is spreading like wildfire, and God is on the move. And when we're at Acts chapter 16, as you might expect, not everybody was on board with this new way of following Jesus. And so many of these early Christians were thrown in prison, which is where we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16. A man named Paul, the apostle, you've probably heard of him, and one of his partners, Silas, are in jail, thrown in prison because of their activity in sharing the kingdom of God. In fact, they're actually in chains. That's where we pick up in Acts chapter 16. They are in jail, in chains, and we're gonna see God do something pretty significant. Acts chapter 16, hopefully you have it there open. Starting in verse 25, here's what the word of God says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas 
Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. It's the word of the Lord for us today. What I want to do is I want to quickly look at what's happening in this passage of Scripture. And then I want to zero in on what he and his family took the step to do at the end of this passage. So Paul and Silas are in prison. They are fastened down with chains. And this amazing thing happens where even despite their circumstances, they are singing and worshiping God. We could learn something from these disciples. They are in the direst of straits, and yet they're still praising God who is worthy of our praise no matter what. And God does something pretty amazing in verse 26. He sends an earthquake that literally shakes the whole place to where the, the chains fall off the prisoners, the doors open up. I mean, this is an epic scene of God's miraculous deliverance. And the jailer wakes and realizes he's on the hook the Roman Empire does not let these kind of guys go. And so if he lets them go, he's on the hook. So he says, I, I don't, it's not worth it. I'm just going to end my life. And Paul says, don't do it. We're here. We're all still here. And I don't know how this all looked, but it seems like the Holy Spirit used Paul and Silas's mercy for this man to, to allow him to fall under conviction. And it says there, he fell on the ground in fear and said, what must I do to be saved? It's almost like he saw their God was real. And he was obviously at work here. What must I do to be saved? And they tell him, Jesus saves. And they just need to believe in him. Look, or he just needs to believe in him. Look at verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household Say, wait a minute, that doesn't sound right. What does it mean, you and your household? If this guy gets saved, does all his family automatically get saved? Let's dive into that. We always want to encourage you as you read God's word to always use scripture to help understand scripture. And what we read in the New Testament is not salvation by proxy, meaning if a father gets saved, all of his family is automatically saved. We see that nowhere in the scriptures. In fact, we see the opposite, that every person who comes into a relationship with Jesus does so by their own individual volition. Meaning, if you were raised in a Christian household, praise God. My wife and I are raising all four of our kids in a Christian household, constantly sharing the gospel, talking about Jesus. But that in and of itself does not save my kids. They have to come to Jesus and understand their sin before a holy God and enter in a relationship with Jesus of their own individual volition. They are not saved by proxy because they're a part of a Christian household or a pastor's home. So what is happening here? What's happening here is what happens in verse 32. Look at there in verse 32. Later on, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his House. So what happened was at some point they went back to the house and shared the gospel, the good news. That's inconsistent with that's consistent with what we see in the New Testament. They shared the gospel with not only this Philippian jailer, but also his family. And they all of their own volition seemed to come into a relationship with Jesus. And look at verse 33. Something really special happens. He, that's the jailer, takes these same prisoners who he was just watching suffer 
And because of what God's done in his life, that same hour of the night, that same jailer is now washing the wounds of his former prisoners. And then something happens that we'll spend the rest of our time looking at. And he was baptized at once. He and all his family. This weekend of hope, we're gonna zero in and celebrate this picture of baptism. To do that, I wanna give us our sermon in a sentence. Here's where we're headed today. Very simply, baptism is a powerful picture of identity, obedience, and community in the life of a Jesus follower. Baptism is a powerful picture of identity, obedience, and community in the life of a Jesus follower. So very simply, before we go celebrate, I want to ask and answer four questions about baptism. I want to be as clear and helpful as possible today. Four questions about baptism. Here's the first one. What is biblical baptism? Simply put, what is biblical baptism? And for 22 years as a church family, we have had a statement that we believe characterizes baptism according to the New Testament. Here it is. Baptism is a public declaration that says, I am a Jesus follower. If you go right outside by our baptistry where we normally baptize in the lobby, there's, this is on the wall on a plaque. Baptism says, it's a public declaration that says, I am a Jesus follower. Remember, it's a picture. You'll see here in just a moment, if you've never been a part of a baptism celebration, you'll see in a little bit, it's in and of itself, the picture isn't much but it's the picture and what it symbolizes that is absolutely crucial. It's a picture of what's happened in a follower of Jesus's life. Just like those logos, it's a picture that actually doesn't even need words to communicate what it is communicating. It's a, it's a picture, it's a sermon, if you will, without words. It's a physical representation of what's happened spiritually for the follower of Jesus. We see physically in baptism what has happened spiritually inside of a believer. You say, what, is, what do you mean? Romans chapter 6, this is what I mean. I want you to picture seeing people be baptized as we read what has happened to Jesus' followers spiritually. Here's what it says. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Think about baptism now. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. This picture is a sermon. It's the gospel story without words. We are buried with Christ spiritually, but we rise again to walk in newness of life because of his death, burial, and resurrection. We see this in this man's life. He falls under conviction, and then he is at once baptized. After he receives the Lord and begins a relationship with Jesus, it says at once. Maybe your translation might say immediately. And that's the pattern we see in the New Testament. When people enter into a relationship with Jesus, they are baptized immediately as a picture of what's happened to them spiritually. Look at Acts chapter 2 verse 41. So those who receive the word, that is, they receive the gospel, began a relationship with Jesus, what happens next? They were baptized. They were added that day 3,000, about 3,000 souls. After they received the word, they testified of their belief by being baptized. And all throughout the New Testament and the history of the church, we see this beautiful picture all throughout the ages 
of people who have testified that they are followers of Jesus, taking this first step of obedience and being baptized. When we talk about baptism and pictures that help us understand this, there's no better illustration or picture than that of the wedding ring for married people. A lot of married folks in the room, you understand, I, I wear this wedding ring. In and of itself, this thing is not worth much. In fact, full transparency, this, is, this was a pack of four for $10 on Amazon. <laughs> Amazon helped me out. I, I, I've actually lost like three or four of my wedding rings. My wife is here in the service to testify. Like the one she gave me on our wedding day, I lost that about a year later, right? Like the, the, the symbol isn't much, but it signifies and it points to a much greater reality, that namely my relationship with my wife. So here's a picture of our wedding, by the way, November 7th, 2008. Uh, Candace looks exactly the same, and I am not sure who that is at this point. Um, <laughs> A lot's changed in my life. November 7, 2008, we stood before our family and friends and she gave me a ring to signify, to point to the fact that I am in a relationship with her. It's a beautiful thing. As, as, as husbands and wives, we wear a wedding ring to signify, to tell the world publicly that we are married to our spouse. That is what baptism is. It's a powerful picture that says I am a follower of Jesus. That is what baptism is. It it's, tells the story of my relationship with Jesus, much like this ring tells the story of my relationship with Candace. I get to tell people when they see that I'm married and ask about my wife. I get to tell them that we've been dating since we were 17 years old. I get to tell them that this November we'll celebrate 15 years of marriage. I love sharing about my wife. Why? Because I love the relationship that I'm in and it makes me proud to show that to the world through this picture, through this symbol. It's a perfect illustration of what baptism is. It's a powerful picture that points to a very significant relationship, namely your relationship with Jesus. Here's the second question for our time together today. What doesn't baptism do? What doesn't baptism do? Again, want to be super clear and helpful today. Very simply, I'll put it on the screen. Baptism doesn't save me. Baptism doesn't save me or you. It is a testimony that I've been saved. All over the New Testament, you see this pattern. People do not get baptized to get saved. They get baptized because they are saved. In the same way, I have a lot of friends who are single. My single friends are not wearing wedding rings. Amen? They want the world to know, I'm single. <laughs> So they don't wear the symbol because it doesn't, it doesn't signify a relationship that they're in. But as soon as they enter that relationship, then they put the ring on. Putting a ring on as a single person doesn't make you married. You get married and then you put the ring on to signify the relationship. Baptism doesn't save us. It's a testimony that we've been Saved. You say, put some Bible on that, I will. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, a verse we've been sharing a lot these last few weeks. I want you to see what might be missing here if baptism saves you. Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice baptism is missing. It doesn't say if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, he raised him from the dead and be baptized You'll be saved. Why? Because baptism doesn't save me. It's a testimony that I've been saved. Rome, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus is speaking. 
He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He didn't make a mistake and not say repent, believe in the gospel and be baptized. That's not what Jesus is saying. Why? Because baptism doesn't save me. It's a testimony that I've been saved. So I wanna be clear, baptism doesn't save us. It's a powerful picture of what God's already done in your life through salvation. Here's question number three. What does baptism do? What does baptism do? Because some are here and you're thinking, okay, if baptism doesn't save me, then why are we talking about this? <laughs> we would never call you out, but you may be thinking, if I don't have to, then why is it such a big deal? And I just want to push back on that perspective and say that's the wrong way to look at it. Uh, to prove it to you, I'll, I'll invite you in your imagination back to November 7th, 2008. You guys are all at Candace and I's wedding ceremony. It's a beautiful wedding, wild horse golf course there on Warm Springs. We're all there. You're all there. I want you to imagine this scene. We've all been in a wedding right before I put the ring on Candace's finger and she puts the ring on my finger. We're about to become husband and wife. Imagine if this really happened just before she goes to put that ring on my finger. Imagine if I said, wait, 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 wait. Time out. Do I have to wear this ring? <laughs> I mean, come on, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, I know, I know, I know there's like all our family and friends here and we're making this covenant before God, but like I kind of wanted to make this a thing between you and I today. Like, do I do I have to wear this ring? No, that would have ruined my wedding day and my wedding night, okay? Amen. That would have not been good. Of course, it's like, put that ring on my finger. I can't wait to publicly talk about this amazing relationship that I am in. I can't wait to share about my relationship. It's not a matter of have to, it's a, I get to. I get to wear this ring to tell the world I belong to Candace Worthington. I love my wife. It's the same with baptism. In fact, that's the life we all live, by the way. We publicly share about what we truly care about. We publicly share, I'll put that on the screen, what we truly care about. That's why some of your social media looks the way it does. <laughs> That's why you write reviews on Yelp and you write reviews on Amazon. Some of you guys are too harsh on them reviews, by the way. <laughs> we publicly share about what we truly care about. It's not a, do I have to do this? It's no, I get to. It is not a, I'm not obligated I have to, it's joyful obedience. I know it's 2023 and we just don't like the word obedience. But the reality is I wear a wedding ring because I get to proclaim my love for my wife. We get baptized because we get to proclaim to the world that we have been saved by amazing grace, by an amazing God. And we can't wait to tell the world about it. We publicly identify as a Jesus follower. Also, we publicly identify with the family of God. That's another amazing part of baptism. When you get baptized, some of you are gonna be baptized later on, in our, later on in the courtyard. You're going to not just identify as a follower of Jesus, but in community, you're gonna identify as a part of this family. And we praise God for that. Some of you are about to put your wedding ring on and we can't wait to celebrate with you. So to be clear, what does baptism do? Baptism shows people you love Jesus. But secondly, Baptism shows people you belong to a family. That's what baptism does. Here's our fourth and final question today. Who needs to be baptized? 
talked about what it is, talked about what it doesn't do, talked about what it does do. Now the last question we need to wrestle with, who needs to be baptized? I believe there are some people in this room today that need to be baptized. But to really understand this, it's actually more helpful to first talk about who does not need to be baptized. And in this room right now, there are two groups of people that do not need to be baptized. Hear me clearly. If you're a part of these two groups of people, we're saying, please do not get baptized today. Here's the first group. People who do not have a relationship with Jesus. We've already talked about it. Baptism doesn't save us. It's a testimony that I've been saved. So if you are here today and you do not have a relationship with Jesus, please do not get baptized. I got a, a little secret to tell you. The, the water out there in that baptistry is just plain old Clark County Water District water. It's not special. It's not holy. It's not gonna give you any good merit this week. Being baptized is not going to give you the feels and give you good luck as you head into a week. It's not gonna save you from your sin or wash your sin away. In fact, if you don't know Jesus, hear me clearly, the water is not gonna do that, but Jesus can. Jesus can save you. Jesus can wash away your sin. How cool would it be if somebody was in this room today and didn't have a relationship with Jesus and just like the Philippian jailer, you'd fall under conviction of the Holy Spirit and you would come to Jesus and believe on him to have your sin forever wiped away and then at once you would get into that baptistry as a brand new follower of Jesus to testify of your relationship. That's what we're praying for today. It happened in the Philippian jailer's life. It can happen at Hope Church too. Amen. Some of you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. We would show you Jesus he saves, and then absolutely, we would love for you to testify that you've already been saved. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the baptism will not save you. So please don't get baptized. Second group of people that does not need to be baptized, people who have already been baptized according to the teaching of the New Testament. Looking around the room, I see a bunch of people that are a part of our church family. Praise God. Many of you have came to Jesus in a relationship or thriving in that relationship, took that step of obedience maybe decades ago or just maybe even last month. We baptized 30 people last month in our services to just testify of their love for Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus who's already publicly proclaimed that through baptism. There is no need to be baptized again. We do not baptize over and over again as if it has some merit. Baptism is like wearing a wedding ring. I don't get a new wedding ring when I feel like I've done something wrong in my marriage. It's a picture that points to a relationship that, that is solid and good and true. What does it mean to be baptized according to the New Testament? A few things just by way of clarity. Number one, we see, we've already mentioned it a lot today. Baptism in the New Testament was after salvation. After salvation. You're not baptized to be saved. You're baptized as a testimony that you are Number two, it's not just after salvation, it's by immersion. I know we have people that may be a part of different faith traditions. We believe it's by immersion. That's a word that means under the water completely and out of the water. Partly the reason is because of the original word baptize. See, in the New Testament, the Greek word baptizo is not a spiritual word in the beginning. It actually is a word that was referring to ships that had sunk. And a ship that sinks goes completely under the water. Baptizo, it's completely under the water. But we also believe this because of the picture that it paints that we've already shared before. Buried with Christ, spiritually, that was our lives. And we rose again to walk in newness of life like Jesus rose from the grave. So after salvation, by immersion, third, in community. 
in community. Let's look at Acts chapter two, verse 41, one more time. We read it earlier. So then they had received his word, were baptized, and that day were added about 3,000 souls. Now, what does that mean, added? What were they added to? We already know they, they'd embraced Jesus, and spiritually, they had become a part of God's family. So they were baptized, and they were added to what? The visible expression of God's family, which is the local church. We've already shared today, but baptism is not just something we do on our own, individually on an island somewhere as a Christian. We do it as a part of a faith family, which is perfect for what we're going to do today as we celebrate together in community lives being changed. So again, to be as clear as possible, if you are here today and you are somebody who does not have a relationship with Jesus, or you are somebody that has a relationship with Jesus and have already been baptized according to the New Testament, hear me clearly, please do not get baptized. However, I believe there are some people here today who are followers of Jesus who have never publicly proclaimed that through baptism. I want to challenge you with one simple phrase. Today, you need to be baptized. Today. I know some of you are thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. You had me all the way up until that point. Hear the word of the Lord. This guy was saved and immediately, at once, because I can already tell there's people that are thinking, oh, man, I was with him, but I'm not, I'm not with him anymore. I'm going to check my email. I'm going to send that text. I'm going to totally zone out. I'm praying. You just got to know, we've been praying that the Holy Spirit would allow people to follow him today in obedience. Stop running from what God has called you to do. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you've been not, you have not been baptized after salvation by immersion in community, I want to challenge you. Today is the day to say yes to obedience to Jesus. And I know there's some objections. Right now, some of you are thinking, I, I got a reason why I can't. I just want to call out some of those objections. Some of you would say today, man, that's great sermon, Scott. It's cool, but I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. What really, what you're saying is, I'm not ready to obey Jesus. Because <laughs> the reality is, if you're a Christian, you're as ready as the New Testament requires you to be. The Philippian jailer, I promise you, that dude needed to be disciple, but he wasn't disciple when he got baptized. He knew, I love Jesus, he saved me from my sins, and I'm following him in obedience. He was not walking into that baptistry quoting systematic theology. I'm sure he was a piece of work. He was a part of the Roman Empire. He was a jailer, and he had a lot of stuff that God, the Holy Spirit in him, had to get out of him. But he, he was saved from his sin. Some of you today are saying, I'm not ready. Maybe you're saying, I, I need to pray about it. Hear me clearly. We don't need to pray about the things God has already commanded in his word. We don't need to pray about it. He says, do it. We say, yes, Lord. Anything other than yes, Lord, is wrong. <laughs> Some of you today are saying, I'm not ready. You're as ready if you're a follower of Jesus as the New Testament requires you to be. But some of you are practical. You're like, no, I'm not ready, Scott, because I don't have clothes. Like, I didn't bring clothes to wear. We got all that ready for you. <laughs> some of you have been around Hope for a long time. We, we do this on purpose, knowing that we wanna be ready so the Holy Spirit, so when the Holy Spirit convicts people and challenges them to follow him in obedience, we're ready for you. So we got clothes in all different sizes. We got hair products. We got everything you need to look exactly like you do right now when you get back in your car in about an hour. Promise you. We're ready. We're ready. 
And I want to be sensitive here because I believe there's some people right now that know, man, I'm a follower of Jesus and I've never been baptized. And today's the day I'm supposed to get baptized. Another objection would be maybe I was baptized before. Maybe you're here today and you were baptized as a baby. I want to be really sensitive. I believe your parents' motivations to baptize you as a baby were good and right and probably really, really noble. But again, we believe baptism is to be after salvation and babies cannot come to Christ in a relationship with him of their own volition as a baby. Or maybe you were here and you grew up in church and were baptized when you were six or seven. You thought that's what you should do because your, your parents encouraged you. And again, I want to I really commend parents that, that maybe allowed you to take that step. But you know you weren't a Christian when you got baptized. Very simply, if you were not a Christian when you got baptized and you are now, today's the day you say, I need to be baptized. Others of you may be here and say, I'm afraid of fill in the blank. I'm afraid of what people will think. I'm afraid of not being good enough. I love that one, by the way, because by the way, that's the point of baptism. <laughs> it's a public display that says, I'm not good enough. I needed a savior. His name is Jesus and he has saved me. Every person who's ever been baptized other than Jesus has not been good enough. Join the club. We're showing the picture of we weren't good enough. That's why we need Jesus. I don't, I'm afraid of doing things in public. I'm afraid of water. Whatever it is, right now, I believe the enemy is putting a bunch of things in your head that's, help, that's trying to stop you from obeying Jesus today. And I am asking the Lord to silence the enemy in all of our hearts right now. And if he's telling you it's your turn to step up and obey me, that we would follow him in obedience. Another objection that's really personal to me. Maybe you're here today and you think, ah, I just don't understand why it's a big deal. I mean, it takes five seconds. Why is it such a big deal? And I say it's personal because this is my story. Many of you know I was saved when I was 17, going into my senior year of high school, and there was a bunch of kids that got saved at the camp that year, and some of them got baptized, and there was this cool celebration. But for me, I don't know if I was just too cool for it or I thought so. I just said, ah, it's not for me. I don't really understand why that's such a big deal. And I praise God for some people in my life that discipled me in my disobedience. They showed me from the scriptures, this is a big deal. This is a step of obedience. And I praise God about a year after I became a Christian, I stepped into the waters of baptism and publicly proclaimed my faith. I think there are people in this room right now that are wrestling because you find yourself trying to make some of those objections. And I'm just telling you, I've asked the Lord to help you take that step today. And I promise you, there's gonna be a group of us out there can't wait to celebrate with you. We've already baptized over 50 people this weekend. We're really excited to baptize a bunch more. It's always the right time to obey what Jesus has called you to. Right now is always the right time to obey what Jesus is calling you to. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna stand and sing in just a moment. As soon as I pray, I'm gonna actually go get changed. I'm gonna be baptizing a bunch of people hopefully today alongside Pastor Patrick and, and we're gonna celebrate life change. And, and however God moves in this place, whether it's five people or 500 people, we're gonna baptize some people and we're gonna celebrate what God has done. And some of you right now know that needs to be you. So as soon as we stand to sing, I'm gonna encourage you. If you know that you are a follower of Jesus who have never publicly proclaimed that through baptism, after salvation, by immersion, in community, today is the day I'm praying you say yes to following Jesus in obedience. So as soon as we stand to sing, there's gonna people out in the lobby with gray Jesus follower shirts on. 
Some of you right now know that you know that you know that you're supposed to be baptized today as a public testimony of what Jesus has done in your heart. Soon as we stand to sing, I want you to go out to the lobby. They're gonna grab you for just a minute, have a quick conversation. We just wanna hear a little bit about your story and how you came to know Jesus. We wanna be baptizing followers of Jesus in this place. So we're gonna talk to you about your testimony, talk to you about how you came to know Jesus. And then about 20 minutes after our service ends, we are gonna baptize people as a public testimony of what Jesus has done in their lives. So as we are gonna stand to sing in just a moment, if you're a follower of Jesus who's already been baptized, I just ask that maybe as we sing, you pray. Pray for those that right now are wrestling, knowing that God is calling them to this. We don't have to pray about it. He's already told us. And pray that God would give them the grace to get out of their seat and go do what the Lord is calling them to do. So Jesus, right now, we ask you to help us. Holy Spirit of God, I pray for every person in the room right now who is a follower of Jesus, but has never publicly proclaimed that through baptism. God, would they, by your power and by your grace, follow you in obedience? Soon as we stand to sing, Lord, would there be no hesitation? Would they go to the lobby understanding they are saying yes to obedience to Jesus, publicly telling the world what you've done in their lives? Thank you for your church, Lord. Thank you for a chance to spend time together and eat together and fellowship together and celebrate what it is that you're doing. Holy Spirit, have your way. We trust you. Pray that every person that needs to be baptized today would step that way in obedience. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's stand. If you need to be baptized, go to the lobby. We would love to help you take that step of obedience.